Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northeast Scene Podcast. This is Keith. And Tommy. How's everybody doing? And we're back. And tonight's guest is the frontman of Local Legends Blue Skies Fade, Ian Kerner. Ian. (laughs) Now, Ian, uh, I'm glad you're here. I, I haven't seen you probably since I was 17 years old. Yeah, it was definitely... A long time. <laughs> where where have you been? Uh, everywhere. Let me ask you this. You live in Philadelphia right now, right? No. Actually, I live in Jersey now. Oh, where at in Jersey? I'm in uh, Medford. Medford. Where is that? I, I, my Jersey geography is like horrible. It's like horrible. Uh, Route 70, if you're going to LBI or something from Philly. Okay. 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 Uh, Route 70, you know, out towards the woods. Basically. Yeah, I'm saying okay, but I still have no it's idea what that. <laughs> it's like it, it's like um, it, it go out like Cherry Hill and then keep going like and Burlington keep going, County, right? Yeah, like Burlington County. Yeah. Now, like I mentioned before, Ian, I haven't seen or spoken to you in a long time, and one of the great things about the Instagram we created and the podcast is just reconnecting, reconnecting with everybody. You know, I, I used to have my regular Instagram. And I would post all these hardcore show videos and flyers and, you know, like people just weren't on the level, man. Like they just weren't getting it. And I was like, man, I feel like, I feel like I'm not reaching my people. Where are my people? So (laughs) doing the Instagram, we just discovered all these different sites and people and like our people, you know what I mean? The same people, the, the people who listen to the shit that we listen to. And then you popped up and I'm like, holy shit, that's Ian. (laughs) Did I say something stupid? No. Oh, no. usually I do. Uh, we we will say many stupid things on this podcast. I know, I can't so. wait. Yeah. <laughs> thank, God so, for, thank God for post with this thing, because afterwards, I usually just go, Keith, you got to take out the thing about this, this, and this. And he's like, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting a collection of uh, intros that I fuck up, and I'm going to make like a montage of them. Yeah, you should. That'd be pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Let's take it way back. Okay. Ian... Where did you grow up originally? Actually, I went to high school here in Medford. Uh, between that and um, Delaware County, Pennsylvania. But, uh, you know, most, mostly here in Jersey. Now, I always thought of Blue Skies Fade as a Jersey band. So is that where most or all of those guys were from? Yeah, we were all from this town, actually. Oh, so you guys were all from Medford? Yeah. So did you guys meet in high school? Is that how, like... Typical band. Uh, Oh yeah, everybody. Everybody was from uh, was from Medford in the band. Yeah, Sean being the oldest, uh, or you know the the I guess recording the guys that were in it when we were recording. um, Sean was the oldest, and uh, but we all you know we all grew up in the same same neck of the woods here. So was there a big scene there? And now the Jersey scene was just completely unknown to me, except for Marlton, I guess. Well, yeah, it's, it was, I don't know, it was, it, it kind of was non-existent besides, like, you know, real small bands. Um, but of the real small bands between Burlington County, Camden County, uh, et cetera, you know, we had a lot of local shows. Um, yeah. That's how we, you know, got to meet the Safe Ford and all you guys on that side of the river, more or less, yeah. you know. Did you meet this day forward at that now legendary Ashland Church gig? Was that the first time? I'm pretty sure. 
it was yeah. one of the Ashland Church things. Uh, but I know for a fact that it had something to do with Rick Barnhart. I remember he uh, he had a tape or something from them, and he brought it around. He's like, you guys got to play with these dudes. Yeah, Rick, there's a guy I haven't seen in a really long time. Yeah, he's, uh, I guess he's doing well. He's, uh, I see him, you know, once a year. He's actually my, my son's godfather, so. Oh, he, wow. Yeah, he comes around once in a while to, uh, you know, for birthdays and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But uh, that's actually how I met my wife, too, is through him. So this guy is a major player in your life. Well. I mean, <laughs> like, if, God, mean? <laughs> if, if God forbid something happens to Ian, Rick is stepping in. Oh, well. That's, yeah, the, that's the whole deal. Of the yeah, and the, fu- and the best part is he's probably a godfather to like 47 different kids. And I was like, <laughs> you're going to have like a 50th birthday and everybody's going to die except you. Do you think that makes him really nervous, like, in COVID times? He could end up with, like, 50 extra kids. Exactly. I'd be, like, terrified if I was him. You gotta learn (laughs) how to say no, buddy. So, how did you discover the scene? Uh, It was actually the Vanderpools. Um, Like, Sean Sean Vanderpool being our guitar player. um, Mm -hmm. Years before, um, you know, I even knew what hardcore was. He was doing shows and all that kind of stuff. And playing in bands, and then uh, his brother Eric. Um, actually, I sat next to him in tenth uh, grade geometry, and that's how you know I became friends with him. And he was put on a show out in the middle of nowhere, Jersey, and uh, with that band Rigid, which was also from Medford. Um, mm-hmm. They played a lot all over the place, but uh, but yeah, like that's how I got into to go into his shows and stuff, and and he he started dragging me all over the earth to go and see bands play. <laughs> So how how do you hook up with Blue Skies Fade? Now, at, at that age, it was my dream to sing in a band, but I was never tapped by anyone to sing in a band. So how how do you get the uh, how do you get the call? It was just the right spot, the right time, I guess. I was in a, uh, like an old school hardcore band called uh, Stain, mm-hmm. and uh, Eric Vanderpool actually played bass in it. But um, yeah, we you know the. I guess they just asked one day, like, dude, you should come try out or whatever. And yeah. uh, it was me and Dave, and I guess they didn't know when to choose, so they just said, all right, let's just do it. So we both did <laughs> Yeah, the two-singer era of hardcore, I think, need, makes, needs to make a comeback. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't think so. But <laughs> I would just like to see it again. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> no, yeah, no, just... I got, I, let me ask you right up front. Like, what? Yeah, with two singers, it's got to make things a lot more difficult, right? Like, how do you decide who's going to sing what part? And do you have to, like, say, like, no, I don't want to do that? Or, I mean, how does it work? Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember, to be honest with you. Other than we were somehow <laughs> agreeable. And um, I know there was, you know, a lot more work on, on some people's parts and other, you know, other people's parts and stuff like that. But, um you know, it it, it kind of turns into too many chiefs and no Indians. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's yeah. like uh, it's it's kind of a weird. It was kind of a weird thing. It's different than having like two guitar players. It's like two people doing the same exact thing. Be like having two drummers or something. I guess. Yeah, it's like, it's like a front man, not front men. Like it's a yeah, that is a weird kind of like who takes the who steps forward and who steps back. Yeah, and I would imagine like well, I mean I saw all else fail with two singers. You stand there, who do you look at? Yeah, like what <laughs> did you have to like figure out shit to do when you weren't singing? I just 
banged my head and went crazy, I guess. But uh, yeah, you know, it was it was just weird because after after Dave left, it was you know it was it made a lot more sense. But it was a whole hell of a lot more to scream. That's for sure. Yeah, your parts are like doubled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember the st- there was a, definitely a stamina problem at, at first. <laughs> <laughs> so when when Dave leaves, do you ha, do you like have access to his lyrics? Do you, how do you learn them all? Yeah, well, I wrote most of that stuff. Um, ah, or me, me and Sean, uh, except the song "Blue Skies Fade." Brian wrote the entire thing, but um, okay. So yeah, it was kind of just like. He was just kind of reading, you know, the, the words that we wrote kind of a thing. Okay. So I'm going to go back a little bit. So you try out for the band, right? Does that first initial tryout go okay? Yeah, it was just like, uh, all right, let's do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't really like a big thing. It was just like a bunch of local dudes kind of, you know, hanging out. I don't think it was really like a let's take over the world thought. You know what I mean? At the time. Okay, so from when you tried out for the band, how soon were you guys playing shows? I want to say it was a while. It had to be a year at least. Uh, I remember Sean was always very like, you know, there's certain people that are just very like, you know, we gotta we gotta record this demo. We can't tell anybody anything until the re- the demo's recorded. We have all this stuff to go out and uh, pass out or give out or sell or whatever the deal is. Um, and it was just, you know. It was, we had all these songs and all this stuff, and we were just sitting on it for so long. And then, yeah. uh, you know, finally decided to go record like a half ass demo, which we, you know, we put out. And then it was probably almost even a year later after that before we actually put the CD out. Yeah, that's the way I do it, too. I, I like to have everything ready to go, like when the band is announced. You know what I mean? I like to start the band, find the people, rehearse write the EP, record the EP, then release it and announce the band. Right. Which is dangerous because a lot of times the band will end before you get that far. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's part, part of my thing is, like, if I get this out faster, then, yeah. like, they can't, like, run away from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can lock yeah. them right in. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to do that approach next mm-hmm. time because... My my mindset is like, oh, everything has to be absolutely perfect. But if you're waiting for everything to be perfect, you're going to be waiting forever. And that's going to be forever. It. It's never perfect. I became aware of you guys like right after I started going to shows um, in the Bucks County area. I was friends with the This Day Forward guys. And I remember you and Blue Skies Fade on some of those earliest shows. And yeah, just when I think of early hardcore shows, I always think of you guys playing that first song on the CD and just everybody right up front singing along. Oh, no, that's just, right. Yeah, yeah, it was just like... That was the most coolest part about the whole thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's got to be awesome. Like, you know you're playing that song, you've got like five to ten people right up front yeah, like singing along with every word. And it was, it was cool, too, especially when you, you know, you go to Syracuse and it happened, or you go down... Oh, really? Yeah, or down to Virginia or something. It was, it was weird how it spread... There was only like a thousand albums or something, or you know, a thousand CDs that we made, um, and then there was a couple stupid little uh, re-releases after that. But it seemed like it spread, you know, pretty far considering. How much playing out did you guys do? Did you do any tours, or were you just playing primarily in the Northeast? 
Yeah, we never did, uh, you know, any too many multiple dates in a road tour type stuff, but we would go do, you know, a couple shows, uh, use Syracuse, but, like, you know, up Syracuse or whatever, but we basically stayed mostly local. Yeah. Was there ever any plan to, like, I don't know, really try to do this thing and take it nationally or anything like that? Uh, I think that was in, eventually was in everybody's, you know, interest or whatever that, to, to do that. Uh, unfortunately, it's just not the right group of dudes to do it. (laughs) Yeah. To be honest, I mean, (laughs) you know. Well, I, I'm going to ask those types of questions, but not just yet. Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) So I want to go back a little bit first. Now, one of... The best times I ever saw you was, uh, it was that St. Ephraim's gig. There was a, like 15 bands on it. I think Meadows put on that show. Yeah. And I don't know, was this, had you played that song, The Passion of Silence, before? Or were you like just debuting it? Uh, it had to be, cl- it had to be close from, to the debut, something like that. Okay. Because um, I remember being, there was a ton of people at that show. Just yeah. a ton of people. And you guys started playing that song for the first time, and I was on stage recording it, and I'm I'm still very upset that I lost all those tapes because oh. I, I I had the perfect <laughs> fucking angle, you know, right. it, it just looked great, it sounded great, but hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, and the place just exploded, like especially when you go into that first breakdown, like a, about a minute thirty in. Right. Oh man, it it was just like unbelievable like i'm so glad a video of that song exists at that show because it's just it's just such like a oh yeah there's one behind the drums i believe right yes yeah yeah i remember that yeah Yeah, no that was a that was definitely a cool song it was was weird at the you know at the end of the at the end of the band it was weird like nobody i guess no nobody in the in the band at that time was like very i guess good at writing songs or or and it wasn't everybody i mean jay jay the drummer was still you, you know, playing drums, um, but everybody else was came and gone. You know, um, but I know we did that song and a song called Moist, and then uh, it was recorded uh, with the old singer Dave, um, and I believe it's on the our website uh, with it with him on it. But um, it's not the same. It's not. <laughs> I because I, I I was shocked. Like the website is still up. You mentioned on our our Instagram page that the the site is up and that the, the song was recorded, but it doesn't sound it doesn't sound anything like that video. No, like at all. No, like no, that breakdown not. is not as definitely not as prominent. No, no, and it's funny in that video you can see like a bunch of us as like sixteen year olds just you know yeah, just yeah. like oh just like oh my god and like looking behind them to make sure that the mosh pit isn't going to take them out it's, right. it's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah colin i think anthony green everybody was there everybody oh uh, yeah gary yeah, yeah, yeah you can see everybody standing right there what what were some of your influences it's like to me it's like classic 90s like new day rising like that really moshy metal type stuff what kind of what kind well, of stuff were you guys inspired by Honestly, Blue Skies fade the whole, like, emotional screamo thing. Uh, yeah. Came from you and I. Um, not uh, me and you, yeah. but the band. Yeah, uh, the band, yeah. I saw him in New Brunswick somewhere in somebody's basement and was mm-hmm. just, like, completely blown away 
whether their emotions real or fake or whatever they put on a hell of a show and yes. uh so we were trying to incorporate that kind of a thing mm-hmm. into it you know what i mean real or fake <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you and i made a big splash they were highly influential the live shows were always spot on i remember every like everybody was just always raving about them i wonder why they broke up i have no idea Tommy, we got to get them on here and find out why. I think, well, Tom still makes music, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, um, yeah. I ran into Tom, I don't know now. It's been 10 years easy. But I was sitting at a bar in, in up there in New Brunswick somewhere. Uh, yeah. And he was sitting at the bar next to me. And I was like, oh, man, really? I used to talk to you on AOL. <laughs> but, uh, and he looks exactly the same. The one guitar player used to wear, uh, he had like big, like black rim, like, ho- like horn rim glasses. And he used to wear those things that you put on the like the the sides of the glasses to make you know like people used to wear them so your like glasses wouldn't fall off. But oh, they yeah, were like yeah. super obnoxious like turquoise with like <laughs> like these big like ugly designs on them. And I remember like seeing him walking around being like, "The fuck is he wearing them?" Fuck. And then I <laughs> and then I saw them play, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, that's why he wears them." Wow, <laughs> like, he's like, super emo. Thrashing around the whole time, his fucking glasses never even budged. But that band definitely always put on an awesome show. Every time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I had their last show, uh, some of it taped as well, but the tapes are gone. I will I will continue to lament them on this show. Now, Blue Skies Fade was also one of the bands who played that legendary gig at my parents' house. Oh, yeah. I'll now, never forget it. Yeah, that, that, was, <laughs> now, that was awesome because I can say that Torn Apart and The Assistant and Blue Skies Fade played in my parents' house. I mean, come on. That's cool. I think that was a uh, Pat McCormick show, and the venue got shut down or wasn't available at the last minute. So I was like, oh, uh, let me see if we can have it at my parents' house. And I guess, yeah, they're pretty cool. So they were like, yeah, they were like, sure. I remember the Torn Apart thing. They they used to uh, ask us all the time. You know, if there was, if they, were, they were going to like New York or, or somewhere, they'd be like, "Is there a show in Philly somewhere we could hit?" And I think yeah. that was one of those that, or you know, the show at your house was one of those times. Yeah. Um, but no, it was definitely it was definitely awesome. Although I think your mom's CDs got stolen or something. I remember. Now that that I wanted to ask you about because I would have remembered if it was my CDs because like. Right. <laughs> At that age, hardcore CDs to me were were like everything. Yeah, like it, it was a big deal to me, like to have a lot of them and for everyone to know how many I had. I don't know. It was like a status symbol thing to me. It was weird, but uh, so they stole my mom's CDs. Yeah, I think I remember. Like, cause I remember, I, I, I don't even. I don't. I really don't know. But I remember you saying something to me like at another show later or whatever, like. Yeah. My, uh, you know, my mom's Melissa Etheridge CD disappeared, or, what, or whatever it was, but it was like apparently a bunch, of, you know, a bunch of stuff. Um, like of all the things to steal. Yeah, and I have, I have a feeling the chick that was with Torn Apart stole them. That's was my f- feeling. Well, I know what is the what is the it was the singer's girlfriend, right? That's what we're alleging yeah, here. Yeah. All right. What's that guy's name? Brett. I actually, ran into him walking down the street in Philly about a year ago. Really? Yeah. Does he live in Philly or still in Baltimore? I don't know. I think he's in Baltimore. He was tattooing at the that Bach High School thing in South Philly. There's a, I guess, a tattoo spot in there somewhere. 
Um, I don't know if it was a guest appearance or if he if he lives up here or what. Do we know the girl's name? No idea. Heath, are you really going? Are you going to try and track this lady down? You sure? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Where's my fucking CD? Those, those are my mother's CD. All right, Brett. If you if you hear this, I I would I am asking for restitution. Yeah. This is your girl. This is your girlfriend. Did you marry uh, we, this girl? That's the first yeah, question. We don't know her name, so we we need Brett to handle this situation, and we will politely ask for restitution for my dear mother and her Melissa Etheridge CD. Yes, yes, it's only fair. And that was only it. Fair. It was just one CD that was missing. No, I think it was a bu- I think it was a bunch of them, but it wasn't like it wasn't like Keith's CD collection. It was, no. you know, it was like stuff in the living room radio cabinet thing. Like, oh man, they still have that same cabinet there too. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny whenever I go visit their house and we're like sitting in the back, I'm like, oh, torn apart played here. And what happened? Didn't you guys get like crash into someone's car with the bus? Uh, never crashed. It broke down a lot. <laughs> A lot. But was there? I re- seem to remember some incident on my parents' street oh. with the bus. Oh, is that like a somebody's side view mirror or something like that? Yeah, I remember something happened. Possible. It's very possible. Oh, so maybe they like took a mirror off, but just got at the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> that bus is like legendary, wasn't it? Like a giant blue or like mini school bus or something. It was a full size, yellow school bus when we got it. We took all the uh, took all the seats out, put a couch or a couch and a love seat, uh, refrigerator, TV, bunk beds, the whole nine yards in it, and uh, we painted it black with blue hot rod flames. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was awesome. It got about three miles to the gallon. How long did you guys have that? Thing? Oh god, uh, I don't know, two two years maybe something something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty terrible thing to drive. Driving to Syracuse, you know, I don't know what the regular drive is five six hours or something. Like yeah. that would take all day. You'd start hitting the you go up the Northeast Extension, and you start hitting those hills, and you're doing oh, like yeah. thirteen miles an hour by the time you get to the top. <laughs> and then you start going down, you're doing a hundred miles an hour, and then it's slow again once you get back up to the next one. It's yeah, it was horrible. Did you play with, like, any of the legendary bands of our time? Like, what were some of the gigs you guys were playing, and where? I guess Syracuse is probably about as far north. We were supposed to play in Buffalo one time, and we broke down before we left where, mm-hmm. we, you know, where we were parked. Um, so we never made it. But, yeah, we played play that show, the show in Syracuse. Um, like, Torn Apart and Sky Came Falling. And actually, Slasher Steve just... Uh, Sent me the flyer. I think Sky Came Falling posted it or something. Oh, um, nice. You know, all the way down into, uh, I guess, Virginia, I guess it was, something like that. We played with Zao down there and a whole bunch of stuff in between in the city and whatnot. I don't know when exactly, but I, like, it seemed like you guys were around all the time and then you just weren't. Yep. So, like, what, <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> we broke up. That was it. Oh, uh, so that was it. Yeah. T- let's talk about that. What happened? I, uh, well, the, the, I know Mike and Mark, they're like, they've been good friends for a million years. Uh, Mike was the bass, the second Mike bass player. Um, and Mark, you know, was playing guitar. And I think everybody just kind of wanted like, well, for one, everybody wanted, wanted something, but didn't want to work for it. And then two, there was nothing being written. 
Everybody was sick of playing shows local, and they wanted to do all this stuff. But again, nobody wanted to put any effort into it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess those dudes were just like, yeah, I'm done with this. I don't feel like doing it anymore. Um, and after, I don't remember how many members total, like 20-some, um, <laughs> me and Jay were pretty much the only ones left at that point. And I like, you know, looked at him like, what do you want to do, dude? He's like, I'm done. And I was like, well, then I guess I'm done because I'm not going to find a drummer. Wasn't there, th- this version of Passion of Silence, that was recorded with just the other singer, right? Yeah, because I believe I was in North Carolina or something when they did that. It was, I think it was right around when they did that reunion show thing at Ashland Church. And when was that? 2002-ish? It, it wasn't that long after we broke up. I was going to say, it's not that long from when you guys actually broke up. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That we, that's why me and Jay didn't want to do it, because we thought it was kind of dumb at that yeah. point. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like too soon. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, exactly. It's like the last Slayer tour that's been going on for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they had a, did they ask you to be a part of the reunion show, or did they just do it and you didn't want to? No, they, well, Jay the drummer didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, And I moved to North Carolina and was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll come back. And it came down to coming back, and I was like, yeah, I don't really doing this. Yeah. You know, drive 10 hours to play a show. Like, at that time, like, I was done with all of it. Yeah. Seemed seemed very difficult to be able to, you know, make any sort of, it probably, I mean, still is make any sort of living off of it and uh it was kind of frustrating putting like years of work into something and having everybody just be like ah fuck it yeah (laughs) you know yeah so i just kind of was like that's it done and stop stop going to shows everything so did you did you keep up with at least listening to any of the music or were you just done no i mean literally i was like literally just shut it off I didn't know I didn't know a life once lost was as big as they were. I didn't know this day forward went as far as they went. It was like years later, and you know what was I saw Bob posted a picture of them in a van or something in in Moscow, and I was yeah. like, get the fuck! Like what the? F- what are you talking about? And then I ran into him somewhere, <laughs> and he was t- you know he's telling telling me stuff. I was like, holy shit! Like I didn't know that dude. Like I was just like. Forget it, I'm out of here. I'm going to live down in the dirty south with a bunch of weirdos. And Now, why why did you decide to move to North Carolina? What did you do down there? Honestly, I, th- I don't... Uh, nothing. <laughs> there, uh, <laughs> I moved to... Yeah, I moved to uh, Wilmington. Uh, it's a college town. It's there's, Unless you're a bartender or a waiter or a waitress or something like that, there's really nothing, you know, going on. Uh, yeah. It's just like 10 million college kids. Um, so it was like, you know, I was there for three, three, four months, maybe I forget something like that. And it was just like, nothing was working out, you know? Yeah. I worked for an electrician and, uh, of course I was wearing a sweatshirt until, uh, it was like 80 some degrees one day we were wiring a blueberry, uh, warehouse. It's a big, like million square foot refrigerated building. And, uh. But the refrigeration wasn't on. Anyway, I, I, I went, it was hot as hell in there. And I took the sweatshirt off. They saw my tattoos and it was like a record scratched. You know, like the whole company was just like staring at me. Because <laughs> this was like some backwoods, like uh, 45 minutes outside in the middle of nowhere 
electrician, like, super Baptist, super, like, Bible Belt uh, people. And it was like, they were like, oh, my God, who do we just hire? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't my scene there at all. <laughs> How long were you in North Carolina? I was to say, like, I think it was about three, four months, something like that. And then from there, it was like, by then I was out of everything, no money, no nothing. My parents had moved from Jersey down to Texas. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going down there. So I went down to Houston for a couple of years. So how was it down there? Hated it. <laughs> uh, what did hot, you do? Humid, just like it is now here in the summer, but just longer. Yeah. Uh, for the f- first year or something like that, I, I built swimming pools, actually. And um, I was the only person that spoke English, and I didn't know Spanish. And it was just like the most difficult thing on earth to try to you know, just do charades basically all day, you know, trying to communicate with, with everybody that was working down there, you know? Yeah. Um, not to mention in the summer, it's like 97 degrees at eight o'clock in the morning with a hundred percent humidity. Uh, yeah. It's like f- the worst. Yeah. Uh, so the, yeah, I did that and I bar I bartended down there for a while and just the whole, I just, again, not from there, just kind of uncomfortable you know yeah so did you live with your parents yeah a little bit and uh i uh lived with a buddy of mine had a he had a guest house behind his house and uh, i kind of rented that off of him for a while so how did you end up back in the northeast uh i i literally was just i was i had it i was like i'm done with texas uh you know, everybody I came pretty much everybody I came in contact with was in some sort of bad way or whatever, and it was just like a just like a bad scene. Bad how? Like, uh, was it was it like I don't know, crime, drugs? Well, yeah, like... it was a drug. It was drugs mostly, and not even like woohoo. I was having fun doing drugs. It was like I bartended at a bar that sold like huge amounts of God knows coke, everything out of it. They were there was all kinds of crazy stuff that was going on. They were t- using like my vehicles to stash it in, oh, uh, no. and, yeah, and like and then telling me about it, and then telling me like they're gonna call the cops if I don't, you know, it, like it got oh. really weird down there. <laughs> Holy shit! Just, yeah, Jeez. to say the least. And it, like I said, it was like all these people I met. This is when I originally went there. I, I was a bartender. Um, yeah, and, and all these people I originally met were all from the bar. And they were all, you know, into the, 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 long story short, the one guy quit and everybody disappeared, you know? Huh. Um, I mean, hundreds of people on a Thursday night went to zero, like wow. instantly. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just like, it was weird. And, and I'm one of those people that are just like happy, go lucky, I guess, whatever, you know? And they were just u- using that kind of stuff to their advantage. Like, the, the, the people that lived behind me, apparently I was driving home with it, and they were coming out and getting it out of my car. And, and uh, you didn't even know? Well, I, did, I didn't know until they, they literally were telling me, like, you know, this stuff's getting transported in your car, and, but you're not going to stop and you're not going to look, because if you do, we're just going to call the cops and have you arrested. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it was Jesus. like I was sucked into... And then it, 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 the whole thing got weird because it, it started dawning on me, like, nobody there really knew what the hell they were doing. They weren't, uh, you know, they weren't, like, bartenders for 20 years. They were, like, yeah. they were like rookie. Everybody was a rookie. Nobody, I didn't know how to make drinks. 
You know, it was like, uh, I don't know how to make that. We don't have it, you know. Yeah. Uh, here, here's a beer, you know. Uh, yeah. And it was like a, sh- it was just like a, it was just, the whole thing was so weird. <laughs> the, how, were you involved in, in like anything going on or were you just kind of like swept up in it and you're like, uh, all right. Yeah, no, I was like, I was like the, you know, this, the stupid guy that like cracked jokes and, and did dumb stuff behind the bar. Uh, yeah. you know, they kept people laughing, but, um. But yeah, like, to, like you know, towards the end when I was just like, I'm, I'm getting tired of this life. It like the whole that whole thing got started getting really weird. Um, like I said, with and I don't know if it was true or if it wasn't true. If they were trying to scare me or they were, you know, they were trying to get me to quit. I have no idea. It was the whole thing was really bizarre. Did you ever find like a big stash of drugs? Now that would have been my dream prior to uh, 2017. <laughs> well, well, yeah, no, like. I, I was like, man. So, well, the, after they told me that, yeah, that night I went home and I sat in the house with the lights off and just watched, like, watched my truck. It was parked at the end of the driveway, and uh, and sure enough, the neighbor walked out, walked over towards it. I couldn't see exactly what he was doing because it was dark, and then walked back into his house. So then Didn't I remember that scare the, the shit out of you. Well, I was oh, I was pissed, and I I go from like zero to like a million, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, and uh, I remember the next day, like losing my shit on the guy, and uh, you know, of course, he was denying it and all this stuff. And I'm like, why? Like it's three o'clock in the morning, dude. I get home from work, and you walk out over by my truck somewhere, you know? It yeah. was just like the whole thing was really bizarre. But uh, oh my god, yeah. So anyway, I didn't like it down there very much. What was the weirdest thing you saw go down in Texas? Yeah. Uh, at the well, at the bar there was a du- there was a dude that would come in with like ten strippers and a couple of his buddies. He yeah. would th- I'm shit you not. He would walk in the door, throw two hundred bucks on the bar, and he'd want you to open a bottle of Jack right in front of him and make him a Jack and I can't remember Jack and ginger ale, Jack and Coke, whatever. Mm-hmm. He'd drink the drink and he'd walk out. Whatever was left, the two hundred was was mine, basically, right? Um, and apparently, he was like the kingpin, and that was like some sort of payoff that the you know like the, <laughs> of whatever was going on, like this was that was like his like you didn't see me here kind of a, you know the kind of money. Thing. So that was weird. But he always showed up with all these strippers in like a limo, you know, like a uh, yeah, I guess a limo, like a but it was like a stretched uh, suburban or whatever, and he'd have like all these people in there. I show up in a stretch suburban with ten strippers and throw two hundred dollars on the board, but no one saw me. You didn't see nobody. Saw, yeah, nobody saw yeah. me. And M- makes sense. Yeah, the whole thing was so bizarre. What year was this all going down? When did you get out of there? I left Texas. I guess two thousand three ish, something like that. Yeah. And yeah, and just came back. Came back here to Jersey. So how did you get set up? Like, where did you live? Uh, I actually went to live with the, the drummer Blue Skies Fade and his mom <laughs> uh, oh, wow. for a while. Then I th- she kicked me. She found my stash actually and <laughs> kicked me out. Uh, and uh, now, what was it a stash of? It was a uh, parsley. I think it was. I don't even know why she was freaking <laughs> oh. out. Was it oregano? I don't know. So she doesn't get down like that. No. Well, that was the weird thing. Like, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> she found God or something, and next thing you know, something was bad. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they threw me out. I was forced to go get an apartment. Did you keep up with like shows or music or anything no, like that during this whole time? Nope. What did you listen to? Uh, anything? 
If it was, if it was like something on the radio, I mean, I was, I was always in ice, like ISIS neurosis, uh, yeah, you know, things like that. I would always, yeah. you know, pop on. But as far as anything new, like I don't even think I like I didn't even know about all like the albums after uh, like Oceanic. Uh, Propacon or Propticon, whatever the hell that's Panopticon. called. Panopticon. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's like, I think that's my favorite one. Yeah. Th- yeah. Like those, all those laters. I, I never, I never, didn't even know they existed, but I, I was just like so far out of the loop. You know, there was no way of knowing. But yeah, didn't, not until, you know, a couple years ago I started fucking around with music and stuff again. So what inspired you to do that? Probably just getting old or midlife crisis or. <laughs> you know, I, I, I honestly, I, not really sure to be honest with you. I started going to shows and stuff again, and I think maybe that's just what it was. It like yeah. sp- re-sparked the interest. What was your first show back? Uh, ooh, honestly, it was Mastodon and Death Clock. I think it was nice. at the. T- not the TLA, the Electric Factory. Yeah, uh, and I would, yeah, a friend of mine was was going. Was like, dude, I'm going to go check it. I didn't even know who he was or more. And uh, that was like the first one back. And then he started dragging me to shows. I remember actually that's where I that's where I first saw Bob again. Um, was at uh, uh, at the church on Chestnut Street. First Unitarian. Uh, yeah. Thank you. The yeah. uh, it was I hate God and high on fire I believe, and uh, I walk was walking up to the show and there was Bob standing on the sidewalk. I was like, well, I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like seeing him again after all that time? It was weird. He looked, he looked no different. Still had the <laughs> same haircut. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, he looked exactly like the same guy. No, it was cool. Yeah. He's always been you know a great dude, man. Of course, yeah. you guys know you're friends with him, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been on the show, too, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, I mean, when you were going to shows, were you, like, seeing people you uh, other than Bob you haven't seen in a while? Did you recognize a lot of people? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, always running into, like, say, Chris Striegel, and, and uh, I call her Drop V, Vicky uh, Weiss. I see her I see her all the time. Um, we're, we both have, like, the same bands, I guess, in rotation or whatever. Um, and then, but yeah, yeah, a whole, really a whole bunch of people, uh, every now and then I'll run into. So have you been back in Jersey ever since that move back from Texas? No, I went to, uh, let's see here. I was all over the place from Jersey to Pennsylvania to Delaware, uh, then to Philadelphia for about 10 years. And then did your over to back where I'm at now? About three years ago, I guess. I'm surprised I never ran into you, because I, I was in Philly up until 2012, and did you go to a lot of uh, CD dive bars and run with questionable crowds? And Oh, yeah. Well, Tattoo yeah. Moms was a staple. <laughs> like, we were there every every other night until we had kids. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, all, all those places, uh, the Pope and... Uh, What's that one, the dive or whatever on Pass Young up towards Christian? Yeah, yeah, I was there all the time. Yeah, um, I'm sure we were probably in the same spot and walked, bumped into each other, and didn't say nothing, didn't realize anything. Did you ever see a weird guy sitting alone or just like talking to people really fast and jittery? Hmm. <laughs> that, that was me. 
That's you. Hmm. Yeah. I moved up to uh, New York City in 2012 for my job. So I've been here ever since. Is it worth it? You... Yes. It is? It's a, pain, it's a pain in the ass. But I've I've done a lot of cool stuff up here. You know, a couple bands. Yeah. I was in a play. I met my girlfriend who I'm moving in with. I've never lived with a partner before. Oh, yeah. I totally binge binge your show all day today and listened to all oh, that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Which one? Which ones? Uh, I think it was maybe the last three or four or something like that. We've had a good run of shows. The conversations have taken unexpected turns. I like really getting into the shit with people. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. No, you have to, really. You should. Get into yeah. the shit with me. I'm happy to tell you whatever. <laughs> What's the biggest struggle you've had to overcome in your life? Now, for me, I was I was on my way to dying, I would say. But just struggling with, with alcohol and drugs and just the lifestyle I was living. You know, it started slow and progressed really, really badly up until about 2016. And then I tried getting my shit together and then I fell back. Uh, for a couple months, and then I finally did get my shit together around mid two thousand seventeen. So I would, th- I think that's the most significant challenge I've overcome. Keith, what, what what year was the first when you first stopped? What was that before you had the that two month period? The end of November two thousand sixteen. Okay, I I went away for a week, and then I got out, and then that March, I picked up again, and shit got really out of control for like three months i think i remember texting you i'll never forget something you said tommy you were like oh uh you were like i didn't know if you were alive or dead so i i would check instagram and i would see that you liked something and and so i knew you were still alive yeah no because it because <laughs> it got it got real bad there for a while because you would go like would you like you said like you would go on these like you know tears for a while yeah and you know and disappear but even when you were like around it wasn't uncommon for you to be you know held up in your room watching the wire or you know playing video games for a while so it wasn't like unheard of but you know when you didn't when i didn't hear from you for like a month at a time i was like fuck dude is he all right like (laughs) what was it do you remember talking to me during that last like three month period i remember we talked pretty regularly but could you tell like something was up no because i mean most of the most of our conversations were texting yeah so it was I mean, your 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 grammar is always spot on. Like, how? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I I know I I couldn't tell. But that's the thing is, is like there was the I, the only time. Remember, I've said this to you before, but like even being out with you a couple times, where like, I, I guess I'm not good at picking up on those signs. Yeah. And uh, I, like you know, Doug would say something like, "Yeah, was he all right?" I'm like, "He seems." <laughs> He seems fine to me. <laughs> like, keep in mind, I was, uh, you know, I had had twenty drinks at that point, so I, yeah. everybody seemed fine. Trying to keep my composure was was always the the ultimate goal. You know what I mean? Yeah, maintain all, just to maintain. All, yeah, it was all about appearances. Ugh. So, Ian, what was what has been your biggest struggle in recent uh, times? Recent years was probably I had a business in Philly that was. Uh, I had a partnership, and I guess my partner realized it was kind of a, a rough, just a rough game, basically, construction, especially in the city. Um, he bailed on it, and I thought I could keep it going, and it it just 
couldn't keep it going. Uh, it was just it cost way too much money. But I, uh, I had two two office people and ten ten guys in the field, um, and it was. It's actually how I came to realize like I had anxiety issues and all this other stuff, uh, because um, it it like basically my doctor said it created so much stress it was also almost like a post traumatic stress thing, that like all of a sudden like my fuse was so short that like I can't, I couldn't handle anything. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I had 10 guys fucking up everything they touched. Um, <laughs> I had forty to $50,000 in bills a month to keep, Oof. you know, to keep everything going. And I'm just running around like a nut with people pissed off at me, um, you know, because nothing ever goes right, you know. Um, yeah. Which, by myself, I never had, you know, I never had issues like that because I could somewhat control myself. Um and, you know, dudes in, in construction, you know, you're kind of dealing with a bunch of schlups kind of thing, you know? Um, yeah, they're, they're usually pretty wild dudes. Yeah. I, I was <laughs> going to say that I remember uh, when I worked at the – or not when I worked. When I lived at the apartments in Ben Salem, they were – they redid all the roofs on the uh, – like on the apartment that we lived in. And it was like uh, the building for long, from Ariel was like a big L shape. And I remember I was walking around the corner the one morning and it was early. Like I was going I, I was going out to my car and it was all the guys getting ready like to go up on the roof. And the first thing they pulled up was a cooler full of beer. Yeah. I was like, Holy <laughs> Especially shit. on the roof. Like, Nobody could see that. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was the fucking craziest thing in the world. Because in my head I'm going like, dude, you're fucking – because it wasn't a huge apartment building. It was only two – it was only two floors. So yeah. there was an upstairs and a downstairs. But like that's still a 20-foot fall. Like that's not fucking you're, – you're not fucking walking away from that. But in my head, I'm like, well, shit, if it's hot up there and you're just boozing all day, like right? you know, you're probably sweating the <laughs> vast the fact majority those guys out. probably can't operate without it. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah I, I know guys that I've worked with that – if they don't have a couple beers at lunch, forget it. Like you know, the sh- be- you get the shakes, right? Yeah, yeah. and they're worthless because they're just like, ah, I need beer. Ah. Well, <laughs> that happened to me once. Like I, I was so hungover that I was like, I have to go drink at lunch. Well, that's hair of like, the dog. That's oh. different. Yeah, but it was they- like the only time where I felt like I had to. because <laughs> oh. I was like, I was like in such bad shape, and then I was like, oh man, this this isn't good. Yeah, and you wonder why people drink all day because, like, you just you're like, yeah. oh, I'm just recovering from the night before. This yeah, you have enough. to. Yeah, I always th- I always thought that looked appealing. Like season two of The Wire, like they all go to the bar before going to the port, and they're oh, like yeah, yeah. they're like cracking eggs into beers and drinking it. I was like, <laughs> that seems that's gross, but it seems fun. <laughs> so, what happened to the company? Is it dissolved now? Yeah, it had to. I was all of a sudden looked up kind of a thing and it was like 140 grand in the hole oh, was man. Like, whoa shut it down so shut everybody down get rid of everything um are you still paying that off yeah uh locked, dude. yeah that'll be for a long time yeah but um is, is there any like weird mob shit like in the movies with construction like did you show ever show up to a job and there's like two guys in suits there like you can go home now <laughs> no <I> never <laughs> never had that uh Never found any bottles in the wall or anything like that. No. You know, I I, I hear you on that, Ian, because I my job now, I used to be with a different department, and it was just really hard. Like, 
you know, the pressure and my boss's management style was, was not my favorite. And I, I would just get told that everything is bad right away or that, I don't know, it was just a lot of, and the, the travel was constant. And it was just, it was just a very tense situation that had me on edge all the time and gave me a short fuse, like you were saying. Yeah. And I, I, I actually started looking for new jobs at one point, but you know, then they moved me to a different department that I'm really happy with now. And, you know, it's all good. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm happy. I, I found the answer without even really doing anything. And that's, that's always the best situation. Well, that's cool. So what are you doing now? Uh, same thing. I'm just by myself. I'm a one-man show. So how do you find gigs? Uh, I pretty much, I, well, I do. I only work for w- well, one company, uh, JG Real Estate out of Fishtown. Um, okay, and they, uh, you know, they, they just keep feeding me work basically. And yeah, it's like rehab stuff. Like you're just like, it's a, yeah, like, rehabs. Um, I'm doing, I'm in, well, I'm almost done a two, uh, I guess it's a duplex. Uh, redoing the whole thing, the, you know, both apartments inside, outside the whole thing. And, uh, I do a lot of maintenance and stuff for them. Yeah, I saw you on Instagram. You were up on some scaffolding, standing on painter's buckets or something. What are you doing? It's dangerous. <laughs> I put a giant window in the back of it's actually their office. Uh, yeah. You know, put a big, uh, I think it was four foot high by ten feet wide or something like that. So what are you up to now? What's your family life like? It's it. Uh, you know, it's family life, I guess. You got two crazy ass kids and uh, my wife that somehow deals with us all. Yeah. How uh, long have you been married? 2010. Nine years? Yeah, this is going to be the 10th coming up. Nice. How, How is it? Because I, now I, I'm, in a, I'm in my first healthy relationship, I would say, ever. I've right heard. now. That's what yes. I was heard, hearing, hearing today. Yeah, and I'm, I'm moving in with her in two months. Now, I've never lived with a partner ever. Right. What, what what am I getting myself into? What are some? Give me some tips on how to survive. There is no tips. <laughs> All right. First thing you got to do is set the bar really low. Okay. <laughs> because if you go in there like Superman, yeah, you, you're always going to be expected to be Superman. Ah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. So go. Just I'm not saying be a dick. Yeah. But you know. Just leave, Don't do leave, too much. Leave some wiggle room. That's all. Yeah, I do. I do that because I. I actually had this. Uh, this conversation with Romy the other day. I. I said. I asked her, "Is it possible for people to be cold-blooded, like reptiles are?" <laughs> because she will reorganize the whole house, move boxes up and upstairs, downstairs. I can't do a whole lot without getting really tired. Hmm. So I'll I'll do like key tasks and I'll spread them out over a time that works for me. Right. So my theory was that I'm cold blooded, and I need to preserve my energy, much like a reptile or Correct. a snake of some sort. <laughs> right, right. What What do you think of that? I think you're going to be in trouble, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, I, this is this is what I did when I, when Kelly and I first started living together. Pick the chores in the house that take. It, it seems like it's a lot of work, but it actually isn't. So the one thing for me, I always, I always do the laundry at the house. Like, but the laundry is throw the thing in the fucking laundry, like in the washer and press the button. 
oh, and don't forget to put detergent in. That's it. And and then walk away for an hour. Like, it, it's fucking awesome. Like, because, like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I did all the laundry today. It's like, well, it, yeah, the laundry really, if it, if you, you know, like, the only thing that does suck is, like, my girls I and, mean, like, the baby's clothes because, like, a load of baby's clothes is, like, fucking 70 outfits. Like, because it's fucking tiny little shit. So it's it takes fucking forever. But my wife has made a big point of, like, she likes to organize the baby's clothes because she's growing so fast. She's like, I'll organize her clothes. So if you just get them out of the dryer, just put them upstairs in her room. Uh, the other one I picked is the dishwasher. The dishwasher is easy. It's fast. And I can listen to or watch something while I'm doing it. So it's really like kind of like mindless task. And it's like it gets done every si- – like ba- well, you know with the house with five people in it, fucking it- – dishwasher gets run every single day have you so, ever listened to us while you were emptying the dishwasher no i don't No, i don't i i listen to i i listen to us uh when i'm doing like uh non-thinking work for like work so if i'm like doing like we have new lesson plans i have to like basically take all the old stuff and just kind of copy and pasted it so it's like mindless kind of shit so like I listened to it today while I was copying and pasting a bunch of shit. So you like, guys actually do, do li- re-listening to your episodes? Like, I used if to. If I write a shitty song, I've listened to it twelve thousand times <laughs> until it's not even like I don't know if it's good or bad or what anymore because it's just pounded into my head. But I used to, but I don't anymore because I'm gonna I'm gonna let my fellow podcasters in on a little secret. And I have Mike Shaw to thank for this. The secret is in the editing. And to edit an episode to make it sound perfect takes up to seven hours sometimes. Oh, I could imagine. So by the time I'm done, I am I don't want to fucking hear myself or anybody else anymore. <laughs> so I, I edit it, it's done. We have a friend who mixes it for us and that's it. Done. But here listen to this. Here's how vain I am. The last week's episode was just it was me and Tommy, like for the first half. So I listened to that because I wanted to hear myself. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I go back to uh, I've actually listened to it probably at, at least twice now. Um, the last like forty minutes of the Brad Truax from uh, Interpol. Yeah, because it got real deep, real fast, and it got cool. It, like it, it was a very cool episode. I remember leaving, like like signing off that night, walking upstairs, and Kelly was like, "How was the podcast?" And I was like, "Fucking awesome!" Yeah, <laughs> it went really fucking well. Like, and it took this very strange turn out of completely no, like literally out of nowhere, and we had this fucking awesome conversation. It was really cool. That was a good one. Yeah. So, oh, so yes. So back to chores. Now I have chores that I do. I feed the cats because I love them. I love doing that, right? Uh, I do the dishes. I think I'm going to take over cleaning the cat box. Oh, God, don't it, do that. Because it's also cat related. Okay. You really I'm like the take cats. The, yeah, I, I like them a lot. Yeah. I didn't realize I was such a cat person, but these, these cats are wonderful. I, I bother them all day long. <laughs> like, they're probably... <laughs> They're like napping, and I just go over and I keep petting them. They're probably like, "Dude, chill." We have uh, well, when we lived in South Philly, we had five cats, five dogs. What? And uh, yeah, my wife likes to, you know, rescue the animals. Wow. And it was like all five cats were assholes except one. <laughs> of course, that was the one that died. 
you know, or first, oh, no. you know, and it, we've yeah. been through a million, million animals since then. But, uh, but now we're on, uh, three, do- three dogs, two cats now, two kids. Okay. That's, uh, that's more manageable. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. My wife has yeah, so- it down to a regiment though. She's, she's got them pretty yeah. good. That's good. Yeah, I I like the routine. My girlfriend does not like it. Like I'm all about routine. She she calls me a quadriculado, which means graph paper, because hmm. I'm very like, all right, this is what we're gonna do. From two to three, we're doing this. Four to six, we're doing this. Eight to ten, we're doing this. She likes she likes more spontaneity, but I hate it. But uh, listen, we've got a routine. It's working out. I think it's gonna be fine. It's all that matters. Yeah. Plus, I've never lived in Manhattan. I've always been in Brooklyn, so uh, that'll be cool. Yeah, should be, definitely. Yeah, I can say I lived in Manhattan. Yeah, I actually, uh, my mom was asking about you, and I was, she's like, how's Keith doing? I was like, uh, he's moving to Manhattan. She's like, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I guess his job is going well. I'm like, well, I, yeah, but I, I think it's more, he, he, he's, he's moving in with his girlfriend. She, she was like, oh. Yeah, that's really good. They must be doing really well. Because in my mom's head, like everybody that lives in Manhattan is like, you know, you're like rich. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Not the that's close. the idea I have on it. That Manhattan like is insane expensive. Yeah, it is. It is. And but the the thing is, you you give up every cent to live there. Yeah. And that that's. Yeah, it sucks because I'm like, oh, I could probably buy a house in Philly or something. But, you know, I don't know. It's nice to, like, walk out the door and the corner store is right there. The laundromat's right there. Grocery store's directly next door. Like, I walk one block for anything. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I miss that about oh, being in, in uh, Philly. I was yeah. going to ask you this. So living in Manhattan now, like, do you have to – do you guys have a washer-dryer? Do you have to have – like, you do, like, a laundry service? We have to take it out. There is no washer dryer. Fucking or no, I'm sorry. There is a washer dryer, but the fucking guy downstairs won't let us use it. <laughs> Why? Wait, how does he have control of it? Well, she used to have the whole building. There's, a, there's an apartment upstairs and an apartment downstairs. And then they, end, you know, the, they ended up losing the downstairs, so this guy lives there. And she texted him, like, hey, can we use the washer-dryer? And he just never responded. But then, like, he'll text and ask her for favors. And she does them. And I'm like, listen, Fuck he's not going to let us... Yeah, he's, yeah. he's not going to let us use the washer-dryer. We shouldn't be doing him any favors. But she doesn't want to start a war with him. Because it's just going to make things more difficult. And ultimately, I think she's right about that. Yeah, because home should be a quiet place. You don't want to have to walk into that and be like, oh, I got a fucking asshole downstairs, and you're constantly just thinking about it. Like, Exactly. Yeah. So w- now let's, let's talk about some more Blue Skies Fade stuff. Okay. Um, now, in, our, in our, the Northeast Scene's very own comments section, I remember someone asking about a potential reunion. And, Ian, you said that it would never happen unless... It was with, like, brand new people. So is is that still the case? Uh, yeah, no, no. Well, <laughs> so we're actually redoing some of the songs uh, because technology is awesome. And, you know, you, you can have a studio in your house pretty cheap nowadays. Yeah. Uh, 
But so, yeah, we've been working on redoing some of the old songs, uh, and it's actually Brian and Mike Lewis, uh, who were the guitar and bass players on the original CD. Um, and we've been, you know, sending the files back and forth and stuff. Uh, there's just, Some of it's being mixed right now. Uh, the problem is, last time I or sent it to the dude that's mixing it, and it basically showed up in a big pile of parts. Yeah. It was all jarbled and messed up. Um, and we've actually tried it a bunch of times, and it keeps doing the same thing, and we're not really sure why. So yeah. it might be a little while before anybody ever hears any of that. <laughs> but um, but no, every the three of us have all said if, if something pops up that's worth playing, uh, we'd try to give it a whirl. Um, and maybe we'd have to find another a, a drummer, because uh, Jay... Jay doesn't want to do it, and uh, but yeah, no, it's it's possible, for sure. So what changed? Why it seemed like before there no one was into it, and now we've got three of the original members, right? Yeah, well, it was it was weird actually. I I I was gonna do because I'd always do them stupid acoustic things, uh, or covers from the crapper. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, um. I, I asked Brian, I was like, dude, let's just do, like, the Blue Skies Fade, Blue Skies Fade song. Uh, like, let's do an acoustic or something. He's like, all right, yeah. And he's, I was like, what do you, you know, how, how are we going to do it? Are you just going to send me a video? He's like, I'll do it in GarageBand or Logic. I was like, I didn't know you had that. I was like, I have Logic. That's awesome. Send it to me, you know. So, long story short, he pulled out, like, this bag of, you know, his old guitars, all his junk, his microphones, out of the out of the attic that's been sitting in there for years and blew the dust off of it, then spent a bunch of money rebuilding computers and all this other stuff so it's fast enough to run, you know the the programs now, and yeah. uh, you know uh, Jay like I said he didn't want to he didn't want to get involved with it uh, playing drums, so I tried to clone them as best as I could, uh, you know programming them, and uh, yeah it's eventually going to happen. <laughs> So just the Blue Skies Fade song, or are we, are we thinking more? Oh, no, we were, we're planning on doing the whole CD, maybe even writing some new stuff. Uh, it really depends. The, uh, Brian, uh, Mike the bass player, lives five minutes from me in Mount Laurel, but Brian mm -hmm. lives down in Atlanta. So, uh, you know, it would be kind of, it's, it's, everything's kind of, it's kind of difficult, I guess, but. Especially now with COVID and right. just the unsure of anything month to month or even week to week now yeah it's been kind of ridiculous really but uh you know virtual bands is probably going to be the only thing that's happening for a long time so i think that yeah. was kind of our you know our kind of our plan with it and maybe try to do some videos or something but uh it's really just having fun maybe passion of silence 2000 or 20 oh, I, passion I love, of silence 2020 do that 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 for sure um, and they both said that they would play it. Uh, they didn't have anything to do with writing it. Um, but what's, uh, you know, the rest of the guys being pissed off a little bit more that we did another song. Yeah. So uh, no two singers anymore. I guess the, some of the other members are not into it anymore. Uh, no, actually there was a, quite a discrepancy a few weeks ago or quite a kind of a blowout. Um, uh, because we weren't really, well, we weren't really, Brian, Mike, and myself weren't really 
inviting everybody to 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 redo it you know um like i said jay, jay didn't want to do it and uh and i was like well what are we going to ask a bunch of people that either quit or got kicked out or whatever that you know like let's just you know just keep it to ourselves keep it easier other plus the fact how are they how are they going to record they're going to have to come to my house or come somebody's house and yeah. you know it's right now how do you do that you can't you, or you shouldn't i guess so uh you know, then they, they took it as we were just using the Blue Skies Fade name, blah, 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 which is basically something we built, so I don't see what the big problem is. But, um, uh, you know, it turned into a little bit of a, a blowout, and then, of course, when I lose my shit, I lose my shit, and that ended up <laughs> ended the whole conversation. <laughs> but uh, people don't like hearing the truth, I guess. Yeah. So is it original members that are upset they're not involved, or is it just people who were in the band at one point? Yeah, it was people in the band at one. Well, it was yeah, two two original members. Um, I don't know if the the one like what the hell with Ellen. Sean, yeah, Sean's off in like the Appalachian Trail in like North Carolina mountains somewhere, and yeah. uh, you know he he reappears once every like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, how, how, you know, how, how is he supposed to do it? Um, and then the, the other singer, I just wasn't, I just wasn't really into being involved with that. So, uh, you know, and he, he was kind of the man that, or the one I got like pissed off about it. And it was just like, this is why I didn't, you know, this is why I didn't ask you and, you know, take it however it is. And I'm sure I came off like an asshole, but. Well, with the, with these situations, there's always going to be hurt feelings to some degree. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and, so, I, and, and I'm very much, it's easier to just ask for forgiveness than to pr- ask permission. Yeah. And I was just going to kind of, <laughs> it is, it's just, it is, for, period. It doesn't matter what the hell you're doing. It's easier just to do what the hell you have to do and then deal with the consequences. Because if you ask, there's a chance of them telling you no. And then, and then what? <laughs> you know what I mean? At least it's already done. Um, but did it, you guys, you guys wrote the songs, right? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We, I mean, it, I, I don't, I don't know. Other than it was just like, why didn't you include me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what the thing was over? Um, yeah. It's like you know, you quit because you don't want to do it anymore. Now you're mad about it. Like, what the hell? Yeah. You know? But yeah, it is what it is, though. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing some uh, some updated stuff. You know, sure. yeah, yeah, same same sure. songs. Just the the qual you know the quality now with the, the digital stuff is awesome compared to what we paid out our asses for in 1997 or eight or whatever year it was. Uh, I need to learn that, Tommy. We could be like starting a band with what? How to do how to do recording? Like with Logic and stuff, dude. Just yeah, get. I'm telling every any person listening to this podcast that has Apple devices, play with GarageBand. It's the coolest thing. Once you figure it out and you can send shit back and forth to your buddies, it's really cool. See, I see. I, I haven't like my wife has a MacBook from work, so like I'm like that's what I'm using right now. But I, like I've literally, I've never even opened GarageBand. Like, cause I always thought like, oh, I don't know how to record or anything like that. And I don't have anything. How do you plug a guitar into a computer? Well, like, there's definitely, you gotta buy the thing. An interface. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so there's a couple things. Thanks, like, Keith. <laughs> What's that? He's like, Keith's like, you gotta buy the thing. The thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you need the thing, you know. Yeah, you people have plug- told me to get that thing. There's I, a, I've been is it really to. just like, it looks like the plug that goes into your guitar, and then there's like a USB on the other side? There's that, which the problem is, is latency, which is, um, you know, like you'll play, play a note, and then like a half a second later, you'll hear it. Uh, So I started out with some Amazon $10 USB to to quarter-inch guitar cables, you know, Um, which was cool, but, like, the latency was terrible, and it sounded like shit. Uh, So I ended up getting, like, a Focusrite, uh, whatever this is, uh, interface, and, um, you know, doing it it that way, but uh, the other dude's... They just have like some little tiny gizmo that they they plug into uh you know their guitar and and into the computer. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Um but it's amazing the technology. You could just email it. They could add a track. You could email it to another guy. He could add a track. You could shoot it, you know, um wherever. It's it's kind of awesome because that's that's what we do with Blue Skies Fade and then I send it to the guy to mix it. Wow. Um yeah, it's it's like I said. It's 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 amazing. Uh, the drummers that are in it. Um, I mean, they're, they're programmed drums or whatever. But uh, if you don't have a drummer, you just you know, it'll just like read what you know your guitar track or whatever, and just start throwing drums on it that like actually work. You know what I mean? Oh uh, shit! It's definitely cool. I keep I keep telling. Uh, I'm doing another band too, by the way. Um, I keep telling those guys that uh, I was like, "You guys got to mess with this. It's it's kind of awesome." Let's talk about this new band. Uh oh, it's kind of it's kind of a crazy thing. Actually, I'm playing guitar, which I don't even know how to play a guitar. I don't know if they know that. <laughs> <laughs> but I bought a guitar like two years ago or three years ago. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be co- it's called Hard Turf, and it's a uh, bunch of dudes. Uh, uh, Scott Emshoff or Emshoff Emhoff from Brothers Keeper, uh, mm-hmm. he's in it. Uh, Josh, Josh Alvarez, which is in uh, he's what's the hell's his band Cross Keys. Uh, yeah, he was in a whole bunch of other bands. He's also uh, does that the podcast Cinepunks. If you mm-hmm. people are in into movies, um, there's a dude. Uh, his, I don't. His name's War Dog. I don't know what his. He goes by War Dog. I think That's he's a like cool name. I think he's like a doctor, a brain surgeon or something, and wow. he doesn't want the world to know what he does. Uh, uh, fair enough. Anyway, he's Doctor War Dog. Yeah, he's from Virginia. He drives drives up to Philly for practice, and uh, this guy J- Jason Swisher from um, Harrisburg, who's been in a bunch of bands as well. So, so what kind of music is it? I, it's it's I mean it's hardcore. Um, yeah. It's kind of like stoner rock and hardcore crossed together. It's like got mm. like, you know, like riffy parts, but like crazy breakdowns. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nice. Are you just playing guitar? Uh, yeah. Um, I might I might do backup vocals or something, but um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, pretty much just gonna play guitar. At least try. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't done a band since two thousand eighteen. And we put out an EP, which I'm very proud of. But sadly, you know, I was I was detailing my plan 
for bands before, like all the shit you do before you announce the band. Right. Well, well, I did that, and by the time I did it, the band was broken up. That's it. But uh, but we put out the EP, and uh, that's it's, great. Yeah, it's and cool. if nothing else, it's provided some uh, music for this show. I haven't been in a band since 2000, so. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, <laughs> it's been a solid two decades for me, so. Well, it was yeah. a solid two until last year or whatever. Yeah, Ian, you and I kind of had the same path with that. Like, it, I, I got out of music and just going to shows and stuff like that. I just, I, I just didn't keep up with it, and, and I didn't really kind of refine it until, uh, wow, I, I couldn't even put a date on it. I, it's, it's only been probably four or five years that I've actually really been like, kind of like paying attention to music. Before that, it was just like I was just like, all right, fucking, you know, I bought one of those. Uh, iPods that holds like a you know it's like the 120 gig one or whatever it was and I, I just put all my music on that that's 99% of the music I listened to was that and if it wasn't that I was in the car listening to like fucking MMR or like MGK or something like that like you know classic rock I would say after this day forward broke up I kind of lost touch with hardcore for a while but I was listening to a lot of emo and post rock and all that kind of stuff post hardcore but, uh, you know, especially over the last five years, and I'm actively seeking new stuff. So I, I'm, I'm always listening for new stuff that's awesome. I've got my tentacles out in the scene now, so I've got new shit rolling in. So yeah, Keith, that's how, I think that's really what got me back into like, like going to shows and liking music was you, you consistently would be like, yo, check the band out and just yeah. you know, send me texts about stuff. And the, f- the family of the whole thing. Yeah. Even if you haven't been there in 20 years, you go to any show, you'll see somebody you know. And, you know, it becomes kind of cool. I really miss that about Philly. Like, I could go to any show, any show, and I would know It'll, someone. Yeah. And now I go to shows in New York, usually by myself, and I'm like, who are these people? Right? <laughs> who are these people? No. I, I don't, my initial reaction whenever you say I go to this show by myself, I'm like, how do you not drink? Yeah, that would be my. That I go would be my go to. But I always drink. Yeah, that would be my go to. Like, all right, I feel nervous and uncomfortable. I have to. I, I have to have something in my hand, and I have to be like kind of opening myself up socially through alcohol. Like, I ha- I would have to do it. Like, I, I like I even kind of like thinking about it right now. I, I would I would be panicky. Like, I'm like everybody's looking at me. I'm the guy by himself. It's weird, man. It's weird and it's hard because I can't drink anymore. I can't do shit, can't smoke, nothing. So I I try to time it so I get there right when the band I want to see is starting and I leave right when they're done. And sometimes I fuck it up and I'll miss half of a set I really want to see. But you know what, man? That's what you got to do. That's the price you pay, though, with that kind of stuff to make sure that you're on the straight and narrow. It's like fucking sometimes you have to make sacrifices, dude. Like it's... You do, and it's weird when being in venues, like, you know, you haven't been in in a while, and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, I did this in that bathroom, oh, I got sick over here, I met this guy right over outside on this corner, it's like, you know, that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, I remember going into Kung Fu Necktie uh, with you to go see All Else Failed, and yeah. this was, what, two and a half, three years ago, I guess, at this point, point. Yeah. and I remember walking into the bathroom, and I had one of those, like, real deja vu, like, deja vu movements, <laughs> like, I, I could not, like, stop thinking about, not the last time I was in there, but I had a very vivid memory of me walking in there, and, like, the floor was wet, and I lost my balance, and I remember, like, 
I didn't like fall really hard, but I touched the floor with my hand, Ew. and I I had like a like a real visceral like like I'm gonna throw up kind of moment. Yeah, <laughs> and I was already like really drunk. I was just like, oh no, fuck! And I remember I tried to get up. The first time I tried to get up, like I heard the door open and it like made me panic. So I slipped even a little bit more, and I was like, fuck, like. Ugh! Like someone's not only going to see me on the floor in here, like they're going to know I touched the floor. Like they're going to think, oh, oh my god! Like and it was just like a, a panic-inducing. And I, as soon as I walked in, I was stone sober with you, and I was like, <sighs> like, 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 lost my breath. You just want to leave at that point. Yeah, like I mean, it's just those 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 memories flood back to you, and it seems to flood back at like the most inopportune times, and you're like, oh. <laughs> It, it, I really just came in here to take a piss. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I've done that where I go into bathrooms and I have, like, a flashback, but for slightly different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I won't detail those now. I got, a t- I got a terrible story for you. Oh, please. Go. So that show, should we play that show with Sky King Foley and Torn Apart? And uh, 12 Tribes, Sky King Foley, Torn Apart... I forget who else was there. It doesn't matter. So anyway, I think we played somewhere in the middle. And I remember, you know, the first couple bands played. Uh, we went out and played and just, you know. And at the end, it was like, I used to get this thing called the, I used to call it the pre-show shitters. It was like a nerve, you know, like a nerve thing. Where you'd end yeah. up with like diarrhea because like, I don't, oh, I don't know what, I don't know why it does it. But apparently it's a thing. So. I remember being late or something, and we just like, uh, all right, I gotta, I gotta just, you know, we'll just do the set, let's do it, and then I'll run to the bathroom at the end. So, we played the set, we played awesome, and I, I literally remember being done, dropping the mic, and beelining to the bathroom. And of course, <laughs> I hit the door, and it was like, oh shit, it's fucking locked. And I'm like, is you know, is there somebody in there? Like, well, what's going on? And somebody was like, ah, somebody broke some shit in there. So they just locked the bathrooms and said you can't use them anymore. And I was well, like, oh. Okay, well. Yeah, what am I going to do then? Yeah, like, well, there's a hundred to two hundred people, whatever, in this, in the, there's a bookstore in, in Syracuse. Uh, like, what the hell is everybody supposed to do? So the first thing I thought, I was like, well, McDonald's is down the street. So I was like, I'll just hike it down to McDonald's. So I go out, I leave the venue, I'm heading down the sidewalk, and I'm walking. Next thing you know, I'm walking faster, and I'm running, and I get to the McDonald's, I get in the front door, and it's just like a full-on charge to the bathroom. Now, this is in between sets, so the entire goddamn show is at McDonald's at this point, and... You know, standing in line, I take it off through the front door and run, and I get my hand literally on the bathroom handle, and that was it. It was just oh, like. No. <laughs> so, we're in Syracuse. We just played a show. I have one pair of clothes, and they're completely ruined at this point. Right? It was terrible. So what do I do? So I cleaned up the best I could. I go back and we concocted this big giant story that I got real sick and blah, 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 and had to stay, you know, I was sick and stayed in the bus. Meanwhile, like, 
you know, that was, we basically met all those bands. They were all hanging out inside the bus. So then uh. I, I remember hearing the, you know, the rest of the guys like, oh, he's really sick in there. You don't want to go in there and blah, blah, blah. Um, and we were supposed to, I think we were supposed to stay the night and then drive back the next day. And I was just like, no. So I remember the show was over. We had everything packed up, whatever. And I was like, I'm going home. Like, there's no way I'm staying the night. Because, like, you know, I obviously, I think I might even change my pants or something. But, like, you know, it was yeah, like, you, I was ruined you, at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I remember, I remember like, like all the, the bands, like, what, you know, what happened to Ian? Like, what, you know, or they were trying to get on. They were pushing him back out. Like, nah. Like, you, you know, he's sick or whatever. So, I ended up driving home. I remember getting home at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning. And, like, going right in and, and like, jumping in the shower. Oh. And, uh, and my, you know, my dad was waking up for work. And he's like, what the hell are you doing in the shower? I got to get in the shower. I was like, oh, I don't even want to tell you. We drove all <laughs> night to get home. Blah, blah, blah. But I always thought it was going to end up being, like, the dude in hardcore shit his pants <laughs> <laughs> at the show, show, right? Because there was just like so many people around when it happened. It was pretty terrible. It's your legacy. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's it. So no one knew? The Did anyone get on the bus band. and they're like, why is so it the band, here? Yeah, the band. Well, after, yeah, after we were packed up or whatever, um, the whole band got on the bus and they're like, what the fuck is that smell? <laughs> and then I had to tell them the story. And then they were like, well, you know, like nobody wanted to drive because it was like midnight or whatever at this point. Yeah. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I, I I can't sleep. Like, I'll just drive. And they were just like bitching about the smell all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah. Oh, so I shit my pants in front of like 200 people. I had my friend had like something really similar happen to him in, I think it was seventh or eighth grade. They went to go play in a tournament like for basketball and it was like CYO and they played at Germantown Academy and he was like had diarrhea and he was like trying to run to find the bathroom and he went to the bathroom and the bathroom was locked. So he just found like a hallway that kind of had like a cutout in it and just <laughs> pooped, in, pooped in there. He did and the he Philly. Went, and he, and he, he wiped with his underwear and left it there. And he's like, I remember we got back like the next day I didn't play in that team, but I remember we got back to school like the next day or the, you know, the week after. And they were like, yo, I'm not going to say his name. So-and-so scored like almost 30 points. And I was like, Oh my God. And one of my friends, Sean Bigley was like, yeah, tell him why <laughs> he smelled so bad. Nobody wanted to guard him. So he fucking <laughs> literally was just driving to the basket every time and fucking making it. I was like, it was the fucking funniest thing That's in the world. Awesome. Like Jesus Christ. That's a good set of Actually, uh, set of scoring I know a guy, by I, smelling terrible. I know a guy that got out of a, a speeding ticket, and he, 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 he said he had to. Sh well, the reason why he's speeding, he had to shit, but he was just like, "Fuck it," and he shit himself. Yeah. The cop came up to the car. He said he rolled down the window, and he's like, "Dude, I had to shit," and blah blah blah. And the <laughs> cop hit the, got the smell, and he said, that, "That was it. Just go home. Just go, go oh, clean man. yourself up." <laughs> Well, gentlemen, we've ended on a high note. I'm uh oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure did. So we can look forward to newly recorded "Blue Skies Fade" songs at some point, right? Some point, it's going to happen. Yes, it's happening it is right happening. now. It's just, it was supposed to happen by now. Actually, this was the, uh, you know, supposed to be like not a really a release, but like, hey, here it is. Go 
download it or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I screwed up, sending it to him, and now he's got a big mess to put back together. Uh, so what about potential live gigs? Have you two guys talked about that? Yeah. Uh, they, basically, if you know, if something came up that was, uh, I guess, worth Brian driving from Atlanta up here um, or to wherever... Um, I know Josh Klein, who did the or played drums for the their reunion or whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure Brian was saying something that Josh would probably come down from New York and uh, and play because um, he knew all those beats beat for beat. He sat there pretty much at every practice. So how are you holding up during this whole COVID thing? Have were, was there a period where you weren't able to work or how are you getting by? No, luckily I'm in vacant buildings all the time. For the most part, um, I kept on keeping on. Uh, my wife got furloughed for a little bit, and then they brought her back. Now she's doing uh, a couple days at home, a couple days at the office, um, and you know the kids are just being crazy as shit as always. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, like I never, I never skipped a beat, and I honestly think I had it in. The end of February, beginning of March. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I had, you know, insanely high fever and coughing to the point of throwing up, but never actually coughed up anything, um, mm-hmm. you know, for f- three, four days. And then I finally went to the doctor and uh, they gave me some medication that I took one dose of and I literally was up for four days. It was like... <laughs> wow. I was like, what did you just give me? Like, was it meth or something? Like, what the hell was that? Yeah. Um, and uh, whatever it was, it was some sort of uh, steroid, something or other. But it, it knocked out whatever it was, and it went away. And it went away. Um, but they tested me for a bunch of stuff, the flu and everything, and it wasn't that. And then when this came out, I was like, that's got to be what I had, you know? Um, crazy. But I refused to go get tested because I don't, you know... I don't. I don't need them tracking me wherever I go. Oh, you believe in that? The, oh, well, they are, from from what I understand. Um, you know, it's it's a um, it's so, you know something that they're doing with their cell phones. Um, oh yeah, I heard about that. That, that if you I, have I actually... it, they're. And my big thing is when all that shit's over with, and some asshole hacks into that database, the lawsuits and whatnot are going to be insane. Like, you gave me COVID. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, so my, my cousin's actually going to, uh, she's going back to college uh, next week. Uh, she goes to Wesleyan, and she was saying that when she gets up there, she has to quarantine for two weeks. She basically, they have an app where you order all your food. So all your food is basically delivered to your room. So nobody's leaving their room. Um, and then uh, twice a week, you get tested. And then uh, there's uh, something else on their phone. Like it's an app that I guess the university has developed. And it's if you are symptomatic um, and you test positive, it automatically alerts all the people that have been within the vicinity of you. Like like if you had a – like if you say you tested positive – it would alert everybody like, oh, you have a three, you know, three o'clock sociology class with this person who's tested positive. You now need to quarantine for 14 days. Tommy, we should develop something like that, but for the Northeast scene. Like if oh. someone hasn't heard the podcast, 
<laughs> you're notified to stay away from them. I always thought about like if you. It was like remember those um, when they they came out like I guess at the same time as iPods and it was a, a Zune. Do you remember that thing? Yeah. It, and it was like you could actually like transfer music by like tapping your Zune with somebody else. Like it would give you like a limited amount of plays, so like somebody could give you music and you could listen to it three or four times. Mm-hmm. In my head, I was like. Is there a way that we can like tap people's phones or like get within proximity of people and then like put it on their phones so they ha- like it's on there? Like, yeah, all like, of a sudden they're when I, when iPhones <laughs> came out, there was this bump app that everyone used, and you could like sh- switch contacts that way. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know why it stopped, but I don't want my phone touching someone Somebody else's, else's phone anything, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I got the COVID test swab and antibodies, and I do not have it. So that's an, that's another success for me. Well, Ian, well, we want to thank you no, for thank coming you on the show. Thank yeah, this this was awesome. I I always wondered what happened to you, <laughs> and now I know you were uh, smuggling drugs at a bar in Houston. <laughs> smuggling drugs in Houston, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, listen, I, no, I want to thank you for coming on for real though. Like, uh, you know, my earliest memories. Of going to shows, Blue Skies Fade is right there, and I, yeah. I just always wondered what happened to you guys, and you know, I'm looking forward to hearing some re-records of the classic tunes, and hopefully, maybe seeing you guys live again one day. Oh yeah, seriously, I pre, I appreciate you asking me being on, and congratulations, really, this thing seems like it's taken off pretty well. Yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. Uh, more people are listening than we imagined, and you know, I I just haven't heard anything bad, which is uh, not usually and the you, case. So. And you can think about it is if you if you started a band six months ago, whenever you started this, would you have twenty five hundred followers or whatever it is on Instagram, yeah. and and that many listen, you know, listening in in the whole nine yards. Now, Tommy and I I'd always say. talk about this. It, I'm. I was continually surprised by how unsupportive people are of bands. <laughs> that you know, like when I when I would start bands, no one, most people would not care, or even listen to the record or help out with a show or anything, or right. like just nothing, just nothing. But, so I expected that to carry over to the podcast. However, it's been the complete opposite, and cool. everyone has been very supportive, and we love doing it. So I know that we have to keep doing it. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely yeah. cool, and it's created like a—I'm going to say like a nostalgia thing between you know the huge group of people that we all see as shows. Um, you know, everybody sharing flyers and all that other stuff. It's it's yeah. pretty cool. There's like those, those dudes from Delaware. What's that? Uh, the dude from Delaware, Delaware, Delaware um, '90s hardcore. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like they, they, you know, they were doing it. And there's a couple of New Jersey ones and stuff. Um, it's cool. It's like everybody's everybody's reminiscing. Yeah, I got inspired by all those sites. I don't know exactly when I came across them, but I was like, I need to do this too. And I'm glad I did because it's this stuff needs to be preserved, man. I, yeah. I would like to do like a book eventually with flyers and stories and pictures of the bands and just like, I don't know, man. This is, uh, this is important history to me. And it's something we always like. I, I rarely look back on that stuff and don't and and I always think of it fondly. Like there's there's few and far between memories that are just not po- like not positive things. It oh was yeah, it was definitely po- one of the greatest times that I, in my life. You know, uh, yeah, that was just that was cool being able to to go see bands three nights a week. Uh, 
at the Stalag or, or wherever it was, you know, at the time. It was pretty cool. And then go talk with your friends about the bands you just saw. Yeah, <laughs> or or meet the bands or some of these dudes that, you know, that we all hung out with that play or are playing for the bands that we used to go see. Uh, you know, that's even, that's cool too. Like it's, a, it's amazing how, uh, you know, some of the guys from our area like really took off with, with different stuff. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. Well, Ian, thanks again for coming on. You got it. There you have it, folks, the Ian Kerner discussion. I don't like to call it an interview. That seems, like, too formal. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we just ask him a bunch of questions and then... Yeah, the interview. No, it's a, it's a discussion. Listen, I, I, was, I was excited to talk to him. I, don't, I had no idea what he's been up to. He was just gone. And now yeah. we know. He was, he was working at a crazy-ass bar in Houston. Yeah, and doing construction. That's, I want to work at that bar. That seems like a good time. <laughs> It's, it seems like a recipe for disaster for for a number of reasons. Imagine if someone called you and they're like, "Hey, we have illegal goods in your car. Don't touch them and don't stop on your way home, or we'll call the cops on you." It depends on who it is. Like if I, I'd be I, like, I'd be like, "All right, call the cops. I'll tell them you gave it to me." Like, yeah, I'd be like, "Yeah, fucking, how about this?" Go print up that bag, dum dum. I guarantee none of my prints are on it. So, and I bet, <laughs> I, I bet yours are all over it because you're a fucking dumbass. Like, yeah. fuck you. How about I take your drugs and I take them to the nearest person that'll flip them and fucking, you know, you'll be out ten grand or whatever the fuck it's worth. Like, yeah. I, see, we say we would say all that stuff, but we'd probably not do anything. I would be if somebody said that to me. In my head, I'm going like, it, I don't know if it's. I don't know. Like, there's part of me that wants to be like. Yeah, like I would be like the like no, I'm t- I'm standing up to this, but the other part would be like, look, if, if somebody that has like an enormous amount of money invested in drugs, <laughs> like yeah. the the capabilities of what they're going to do to me if they don't get their drugs when I get there, um, you know, I don't want to have the cartel after me or something like that and <laughs> fucking end up headless out in the desert. If it was uh, if it was a multiple years ago, I would have flipped the drugs into my face oh <laughs> i'm sorry um no that was that was a good that was a good chat though so oh we got a couple new reviews are you ready oh, yeah. for this nice no i haven't I've, i have not read these yet the people are listening to our repeated requests for new reviews thank god so here we go first one is from mike shaw Ooh. oh another this day forward member Yes, loving the Northeast scene. Can't recommend this pod enough. Hosts Keith and Tommy navigate the conversations seamlessly and provide valuable insights and comic relief. The myriad of perspec the myriad of perspectives give us a glimpse into this special time and genre of music. Illuminating and fun to listen to. Five stars. Nice work. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate you. That was a co- coherent and well thought out review. I appreciate that, sir. When I when I was reading it, I was it was almost like this day forward lyrics. I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Another review from E Dizzle. Ed was taken. LOL. That's like the whole name of the person. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, loving this podcast brings me back to such a special time in my life. 
Keep up the great work. Five stars. So thank you both. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This is great. That's really good. I'm glad yeah. people are listening to it, man. It makes me happy. Yeah. People especially are reaching out. People are listening. This is what we want. Yeah, especially if you have like a um, a job where you can kind of like put your headphones in and do work. That's pretty. That's pretty chill. Like you can kind of like spend your day doing that. That's I, I envy you. Yeah, Saturday or I'm sorry, Thursday through Saturday are my podcast days. I only listen to one basically, but yeah. you know, like Howard Stern is Monday through Wednesday, but he doesn't do shows Thursday and Friday. So I'll listen to a podcast the other days he really only he only works like three days a week yeah i'm trying to get on that level yeah well (laughs) aren't we all (laughs) all right so i have important show news are you ready for this go two nights ago i won warzone in call of duty my team first place first time first place it was teams of four, right? Quads. Okay. We we only had a three-man team, and uh, we were down a person, and we won. We won the whole thing. Against four people? Uh, against a, 150 people uh, in teams of four. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. Uh, yeah. Should you play with the same people over and over again? Like No, that, that... It, it's always random people. All, all of my friends, all of my friends who I know in real life who play, they never play with me okay so that's a whole separate issue but i you know it's it's like roulette you 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 most of the people you end up playing with aren't very good but eventually you you land on a team with great communication and great skill and you know you you win oh that's right so you have a head like you have a headset on and you're like talking to them and stuff oh yeah the full nerd regalia that's pretty cool, though. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that as nerdy. I feel like that's a a cool, like, cooperative skill to have to be able to get with a bunch of strangers and be able to fucking like coordinate something. <laughs> like that's yeah. pretty. That's pretty. That's that's pretty good. I I wouldn't. I I I would be terrible. I'd be cursing people out. Yeah, but the high has worn off because I got the win, and every game I've played since then has just been atrocious. So now I'm like, you know, I'm searching for that next one. Now, do you play, like, the regular, like, um, I don't even know what you would call it, like, the story mode, whatever, you know, like, the regular by-yourself one? Is that, like... No, I don't even bother with that anymore. Okay. Yeah, I'm too addicted to the multiplayer. So, that's a big win for me. Now, there, there's, some, there's some scene controversy going on right now. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Now, I do know about this a little bit. I saw This Will Destroy You posted on their Twitter... This Will Destroy You has parted ways with Chris King. We wish him the best in his future endeavors. Out of nowhere. Very ominous. Yeah. Now, this guy's been with the band since, like, 2003. I don't know if that's when they started, but he's been in the band a very, very long time. Yeah. And, and then, are you ready for this? Yeah. This Will Destroy You's own drummer, Robbie Gonzalez, posted on Instagram and said, To whom it may concern... Regarding my band's last post, this was in no way or form discussed as a band. Which wow. means which means someone made the decision to kick out this other person, I forget his name already, Chris King, yeah. and did not consult the rest of the band. So this was a unilateral decision, like, you're fucking out, and that's it. Yeah, I that's wonder what's going on. I don't know. You should fire me like that. 
<laughs> I fucking I I don't I'd never find out. <laughs> I, I would yeah. just keep showing up. I'd fucking never know because I have two Twitter names and I fucking don't know what either of them are at this point. I I never I, go imagine. On. Imagine, we have like so few followers on Twitter too. I, imagine I just announced like Tommy is no longer with the show. Somebody'd have to reach out to me. I wouldn't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> you'd be waiting for the invite to join the session, and you'd just be like, "Why is he late? He's never he, late." Yeah, you're never late. So I'd be, that would get that would be my first clue. I would, at that point, I'd probably just be like, "Ah, oh, I'm probably fired." All right. <laughs> no, that that's terrible. I. I, I want to know what's going on. If anyone from this will... Dis- now, listen. We don't mean to stir shit here. We're, uh, we're huge, huge This Will Destroy You fans. I go oh, see yeah. them e- every year when they play Brooklyn. But I want to know what's going on. I'm just... I'm a curious person. I want to know what's going on. So if anyone from This Will Destroy You or Robbie wants to come on the show and talk to us, open invite. That is a, a, a hefty task. Could that... that if they, <laughs> Can you imagine if we got on like all of them? and then they just had like a major blow up on here that's my dream one of my show dreams <laughs> i want to i want to broker a a reunion or like settle some kind of huge beef on the show or start a huge beef or just <laughs> watch a band dissolve in front of us <laughs> i want to i want to do that too but i shouldn't cuz it's bad yeah that is it's <laughs> not great however yeah. That name of the Northeast Scene podcast would be on every blog and be like <laughs> announced via the Northeast Scene podcast. This yeah. will destroy you. <laughs> yeah. Like huge blow up on the Northeast Scene podcast. Hopefully uh we figure out what's going on, you know? Yeah. I want to know. I I'm interested to know too. They are one of my favorite bands. They, yeah. They rank up there. I mean, they're with like Casp This will destroy you Caspian. They're they're right up there. I mean, they're they're in that same echelon of post-rock so yeah my top three post-rock bands is probably caspian mogwai and this will destroy you one two and three they're it you know i was thinking though and i i actually thought of this the other day and it well not the other day i thought of this today when you were talking about this will destroy you and i was like thinking about i for some reason i had like a real like emotional moment one day driving to work and it was early as fuck i mean it was like 10 after six in the morning um and i was driving to work you know that this will destroy you song um burial on the banks of the presidio yes there's the middle of that song where it just goes into that really soft guitar part dun 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 yeah. Holy cow! For some reason, I don't know. I just got goosebumps when I was in driving my car, and I literally had like I had to pull my car over. I was like, I don't really? know, dude. It was like insane. It was such a weird thing. You know, like when you have like all like emotions just rush over you, and it's not bad or good. It's just like all of a sudden you just are like, whoa! Like it yes. was just too much all at once. And I'm in my head. I'm going like, you're driving a car. Pull over. Get it. So I literally pulled over at Seven Eleven in Morrisville, <laughs> and like sat in the parking lot for a couple minutes. And I think at yeah, it was like for sure. Like I sat there for a couple minutes, and I was like, I don't even know why that came over me, but it was. That's the song that was playing. That like that, and I don't know if that part brought it on or it was just that part just happened to be playing at that very moment. But that, I, I associate that with that that memory every time. Yeah, that song is in like every movie and commercial now, and then like other movies and commercials and TV shows. TV shows do like blatant ripoffs of it, oh, and really? I always, yeah, I always see they're they're on this new label, and yeah. I always see the guy from the label like 
calling them out and being like, nice ripoff. Buy oh. it from us next time. Hilarious. I actually, yeah. you know, it's funny. This is like kind of like not thinking about like ripoff. You know, it's a ripoff kind of thing. But uh, um, there was a band we saw at This Is Hardcore a while ago. And it was, uh, they're called Billy Club Sandwich. Yeah. They're like, a, I think they're New York. But um, for some reason, the, the name just popped into my head. I don't know if I saw something about them. And I was like, oh, let me look them up on YouTube. And I did, of course, because that's where I look up music, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked them up, and the first track track that came up is this track called um, like, uh, Sucker Punch, right? And yeah. it has this really fucking great breakdown. And I, I heard the breakdown, and I was like, wow, that's really good. And then as I'm like listening to it, going like, wait a minute, I know this breakdown. Uh, Do you ever hear that industrial band, Ministry? No. Well, I I know them, but no, I've I've never. I don't think I've ever actually listened to them. So my like my older sister that got me into like heavier music was very much into. She loved Ministry, and yeah. they had a. I bought a tape. I, I bought a cassette. Uh, when I was like, I think maybe in seventh grade, and it was it was um in case you didn't feel like showing up, and it was it was a live CD or a live cassette, and they had a song on there called Thieves. This Billy Club Sandwich song literally, like, note for notes, just fucking took that ministry break. It, it's a fucking, like, note for note breakdown. Like, if you listen to the two songs side by side, they're indecipherable. Like, it's that. The only difference is, is that ministry has program drums and fucking Billy Club Sandwich doesn't. Yeah, ministry is like a, uh industrial band, right? Yeah, yeah so it's like... I don't know how you say the dude's name. Al Jorgensen? Jorgensen, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um... But uh, him and I forget the other guy's name. I think something Barrett. Um, but they're yeah. It's it's literally like two dudes, and it's fucking amazing. Like they're really really good. But um, they were the first band that I heard that I remember being like, wow, the sound is like unbelievably good. But I <laughs> I was just listening to it today, and I was like, oh, Billy Club Sandwich. Oh, let me listen to it. Wait, they stole this from Ministry. <laughs> and it's like, it's their top hit. Like, it's their big song. It has like almost 200,000 views. I'm like, fuck, they took that whole riff. Like, that's not fair. <laughs> like, I don't even know if they, I don't know if they acknowledge it or not, but like, that's a, it was like, it was blatant. It was like the exact riff. I was like, fuck, dude, that's, that's really bad. They owe Ministry money. And that's <laughs> Maybe it's a tribute. Maybe I don't we have know. to be careful because I don't yeah. want to upset a band named Billy Club Sandwich. Oh yeah, and they're all gigantic dudes. So it, anyway, yeah. Ministry probably stole that from you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy Club Sandwich came up with it first. Dude, I'm gonna get my head kicked in by some fucking like New York dudes. Uh, but... <laughs> no, you, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> this is the last thing they're listening to. If they're listening to anything, they're not listening to this. Yeah, they have more important things to do. Not more important things. They have, like, fucking, you know, they, they like, you know, read the daily news and shit like that and fucking go to, like, regular jobs. They they seem like tough guys kind of dudes. Like, they wouldn't sit down and listen to a podcast, probably. <laughs> I'm probably, I'm just digging myself deeper at this point. These guys are fucking yeah. going to find I'm me. like, Tommy, shut up. No, they're still <laughs> masters of their craft. They're just... They're doing whatever they're doing is the right thing. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, I was listening to some, now get this. I'm I have a window open editing this episode of the podcast while we're, we're we are recording this part of the podcast. Isn't that oh, yeah. fucking 
Isn't that wild? It is wild. It's it's a funny like it's funny how we do these things though, because then we think of stuff afterwards and we're like, oh, let's go back and re-record that, or let's go back and talk about this. We can add it on at the end. Um, yeah. But I I, th- I think you you kind of nailed it last time when we were talking about stuff. Like, it, there's there's a lot of times when we have guests on and it's like. It, we don't get back to the you and I of like how this like what we wanted to talk about in the first place. Like the we band, need to do that more. Yeah, or even just like maybe I mean, it doesn't even necessarily need to be more, but it needs to be co- like consistent. We need to do yes. it at, at yes. a, like at a at the same pace. Like you know, every ten episodes it's just you and I or something. I don't know. We'll figure some kind of formula out for it, but it's like um, I enjoy it too because it's really a good time to kind of like uh, play catch up with like what yeah. where you and I are and then um it's also fun to just cuz like you know your brain goes different places like I never would have thought I would be talking about Billy Club sandwich on <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd bring that up but it, you know it came up so the we are. the people need to get to know us too you know Oh yeah well that's the other thing is like I I thought about this the other day um we were watching something with my daughter and oh no we were we were going on Netflix, and you know how you can see like your recently viewed things, like you can see what you watched. Yeah, I, I watched a couple horror movies, and she was like, "Is that movie scary?" And I was like, "Um, kind of, but not really." And she's like, "Well, I find this out like she goes when I watch shows and they have like the scary episode because she watches like Disney Channel shows, so they always have like a Halloween episode or something like that." Yeah, and, and you know, like they always, it's always end up being like it's somebody's dream or something like that. So nobody's ever, you know, nobody's dead in real life or you know. But she goes, I noticed that they get rid of the less important people like right away. <laughs> she's like, wow. The, she's like the people that aren't like big characters, like that nobody cares if they're gone forever. They disappear in like the first part of the show, and I'm like, yeah, that's why horror movies are great because like you don't connect with any of the people. Or the connection you have with them is, I fucking hate this person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's always like some stereotypical, like, varsity letterman jacket wearing jock dude that you're like, fuck this guy. I hope you get a fucking axe in the skull. Like, that, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, like, you know, it's only when it, you actually really like a character and you're like, oh, that sucks that that dude's dead. What the fuck? Like, you know. When Brooks dies in fucking Shawshank Redemption, I'm not saying that's horror, but like when you empathize with a character and you really grow to like them and then they're gone, you're like, oh, you feel something. But horror movies isn't about that. Horror movies is about fucking let's slash some people up. Let's fucking ruin some shit. Yeah. So I was listening to some of the Blue Skies Fade album again as I was editing it, the episode. And um, yeah, man, I think think if they would have stayed together with the solid lineup and done like another LP or two, they would have been like classics. Cause when I listen to that, that blue skies fade album, I hear this day forward fragments. I hear like the first hopes fall album. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's that same early like metalcore sound. So if they would have like, I think if they would have stuck around and refined it, they, they would have, they would have had some, some even bigger classics. Yeah, you know what? Ian mentioned a band, and I, he was talking about a, sh- a show in either Buffalo, Buffalo or Syracuse, and he was like, I think it was with Sky Came Falling. And I was like, fuck, yes. I completely forgot about that band. And yeah. I went and listened to them, and I was like, oh, I can totally see Blue Skies Fade in this. Like, it, it, yes. Immediately, I was like, all right, yeah, no, I got it. Like, I got that part. Like, But it's, yeah, no, I, they, I totally agree with you. They would have definitely done something 
much bigger than what they ended up doing had they, you know. But like you said before, that nothing is more difficult than keeping a band together. Like that is just – it's almost seemingly impossible at times. Like when you think about bands like – like Circa or something like that, that have been around for a long time. and With it's this, all the original members. Yeah, and it's the same dudes. Like That's impossible. It, it's Yeah, it seems like it's improbable. Like, it's just, wow, like, what are the possibilities that you maintain that type of relationship for that long and still produce music that people want to hear? Like, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is, man. I, I, I God bless those people that do stuff like that because I, I certainly don't have the, I can't, I don't have the people skills. Like I have people skills with like little with younger kids, like middle school age kids. I can I can get thirty of them to pay attention to me. But yeah. Like adults, I have a hard time like when an adult tells me something that like I can't do this. I'm like, no, you don't wanna do it. <laughs> like don't don't get don't walk around the subject. Like this isn't about like I can't do this. Like this is like you either do it or you don't. Like y- you have the choice. You have you're an adult. Like you can eat ice cream for dinner if you fucking want to. Like but like and, and saying, I'm going to. I got uh, some chip witches today. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you find the other kind of flavors anymore or no? I've tried them and I don't like them. Oh, you don't even like them? No, I I like the original. Okay, I like the original yeah. too. We whenever we're down the shore, that's what we get. Yeah. Every every day on the beach there in Seattle, they have this guy, the Fudgy Wudgy Man. Oh he's yeah, just, he, he's just yeah. You know, if you don't know anything about the jersey, he's just a guy that literally pushes a cooler on wheels and fucking sells ice cream. It's fucking Fudgy Wudgy. Yeah. yeah, that guy's a hero, dude. It's fucking amazing. Um, yeah. However, the prices have gotten unbelievable at this point. Now, granted, they are literally walking you the ice cream on the beach. Like, they're walking it up to you. You don't have to go to the store. However, I bought my daughter's ice cream, and they both got chip witches. Uh, One of them got a chip, and then, like, somebody else got, like, one of those, like, a a water ice and something else. And I got a um, a Choco Taco. Yeah. $23. (laughs) Ooh. I was like, how much are those chip witches? He's like, $4. I'm like, fuck. Wow. Those are expensive chip witches. You guys better not drop any of those in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, that's it for today. Listen, I don't want to go through the whole thing again because I'm tired and I've got a pizza in the oven. But listen, like, subscribe, share, review, support. Become a member. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. Just say that you are and you're a member of the Northeast scene. We it's love the- you. Yeah. We love you. Yeah, we want and we want to hear stuff from you guys. We just we want to hear the stories. We want to hear the, you know, talk about your scene in your town. We want to hear that stuff because that's what keeps us going. That's what that's what drives this show is is you guys. So we we need you more than anything. That's right. Yeah. Northeastscene at gmail dot com. Hit us up. Thank you, and until next time. Yeah!